Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. This podcast is our eddy in the rushing waters of local journalism. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. I am Nicole Vulcan, editor of The Source Weekly. And I'm Donna Britt, the food editor. I don't know why I'm here today. Yes, I do, because I know this person. He was the first person I met when I moved to Central Oregon. We're talking about local radio broadcaster R.L. Garrigas. You can hear him each day on KSJJ 1029. You've been hearing his news reporting on local radio in Central Oregon since 1979. His news stories and coverage have earned him numerous local, state, and national awards. He's in the Oregon Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame as a 2004 Heritage Broadcaster. Broadcaster of the Year. The Bend City Council and Deschutes County Commissioners honored him on January 22, 2004, proclaiming the day to be R.L. Garrigas Day for his service to the Central Oregon community. He supports a variety of conservation groups, including the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Welcome to the show, R.L. Thank you. Mighty Thank you fine resume much. you yeah. have. And I have to, full disclosure, R.L. was the very first person that I met when I moved to Central yeah. Oregon in 1988. I can't believe this whole time I've been missing <laughs> R.L. Garrigas Day. Like every January <laughs> that has passed. So it's have just, I. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's like getting the key to the city or well, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They didn't quite give me the key. They did give me some beer, though. So And beer's good. Yes, it is. <laughs> what kind of beer was it? <laughs> uh, it actually, it was um, a celebration uh, and everybody was asked to bring a six-pack of beer uh, to give to me. So Wow, City of Bend, you had a beer pot. <laughs> All right. That's when you know you've really you know, made it or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so 1979, essentially you're a native now, right? Almost, yeah. But you are a native Oregonian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm born and raised over in Hillsboro, so... You know, we used to always come over here, you know, go hunting and fishing up to Polina Lake, East Lake. Um, and, you know, it just seemed like a, a good place to come when my career progressed to this point. But you were telling us a funny story before we started rolling, and that was how you got hired at KICE when you were going there for an interview because you actually had the FCC license that was needed at the time because the other guy was he was out lost his license whatever he he was going on to be um, a director at uh, Mount Hood Community College and run a radio station up there and a radio school and it just so happened that the day that he left was the day that I got there I had my FCC license they needed somebody at that point in time you don't have to anymore but they needed somebody who could take me to readings and do all that fun stuff and I was it there you were yeah it kind of sounds like you used to it's sort of like the equivalent of like a food handler's card now like you have to have this thing in order to be on the radio yeah yeah or in order to do your do the the fancy things. Yeah, with the and, and it, it is. It's, uh, you know, it's meter readings. You had to know certain formulas for uh, the percentage of power times the amplitude times all kinds of different things. So you took the meter readings and, you know, check it off. You had to do that every three hours. And if you did that, then you kept your job. <laughs> Kind of. So things have obviously changed over the last number of decades. Yes. And, and I'm a broadcaster, too. Yeah, so yeah. so 
Me too. Yes. So are I you. I started my career in broadcasting as oh, well. Oh, I just yeah, love yeah, that. Yeah. 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 TV but though. What, tell tell us, Ariel, like what are the biggest changes that you would say if somebody said, as you're reflecting back from the time you started to right now today? Computers. Yeah. I mean, I mean, without a doubt, uh, you know, when, uh, when we got into the business, uh, you had, you had reel to reels, you had cart machines, mm-hmm. which is basically a, a glorified eight track. <laughs> um, and that is what you use. Those were your tools and your turntables. And so, you know, you'd queue up your songs, you would load your commercials into the carts. And so it was, it was definitely a lot more manual mm-hmm. than it is now when a computer basically does that all for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, huge difference. So that you just talking a little bit about like the music storage, and I'm sure there was like massive storage places to hold all this music. Oh, yeah. But I, I want to like hear a little bit about walk us through what it was like to like do a news story, how that, you know, from point A to B, you create a news story that had audio and all yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go back 40 years and talk a little bit of, again about your tools that you had. You had you had reel to reels, you had typewriters, uh, you had uh, little splicing blocks. Explain what a reel to reel is. I don't know if people uh, okay. know what that is. Okay, <laughs> you're probably right. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a reel to reel was a device uh, that you would store music on that were two huge reels and uh, maybe 10 inch reels, maybe seven inch reels, but it was uh, a tape that was on those reels. It had an oxide that would electronically take uh, some type of a, of a signal, i.e. music, and then it would run across a set of heads that would transfer that electronics to, you know, a, a, a basic sound that then you could plug a pair of speakers into and it would, you know, emit. So you could also like think of like a, a movie reel of tape, like it was yeah. a physical. Oh, piece I know of, what it is. Tape. I just want to make sure the yeah. listeners. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I get it. it. I get it. And and you could also <laughs> like you could record. You could talk to someone on the phone and record onto that yeah. tape. Yeah. So yeah. you could gather news that way, or you could take a portable yeah. recorder yeah. out to a meeting and record somebody. But you take like a big old honk and recorder out to like a city council meeting back in the day. We did, yeah. and I, I I still I still have one. Uh, the the only thing is now it's uh, it's got a card you know in it that's uh, it's not uh, a cassette or something like that you know it's like a, a twenty gig card that you would you know put a in a computer it's like a thumb drive that would go into this this thing yeah the so recorder like today you you know you're still doing news reports yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. music on the air yeah, yeah. but like. A one-minute news story, how long do you think that took to produce back in the day? Because you had to go down to the place. You couldn't just watch it online. You yeah, couldn't yeah, get a yeah, yeah. press release if, emailed if you, to you. Yeah, if you and, – and there's still some aspects of that that are, are the same. I mean, the only thing is, yeah, I don't have to go to a Deschutes County Commissioner's meeting, but I still got to sit there. I've got to watch it. I've got to record it. Mm-hmm. I take the – 
pieces of audio that I want that are recorded on a computer uh, and chop that up into a sound bite that then I write a story around that kind of encapsulates that meeting. And so that's that's kind of how it happens. So how do you think the news um, coverage, I would say, has changed from back then to now? Just the way that you cover it and the way that just media in general covers things because I think there's been a big change yeah oh I think there there has too and and it you know one the news cycle is a lot quicker yeah um you the things that you had back then you know you had one television station you had three radio stations you know, I, I don't even know how many television, well, I know how many television stations there are, but for radio stations, I mean, there's a, there's a scad of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have all these other sources that you can access into that are, you know, online sources, not just local sources. Right. So um, the news cycle is quicker. I think there's a lot more... Uh, views that are expressed out there that probably weren't, you know, 45 years ago. Um, the world's faster, quicker, and meaner. How have you stayed so uh, positive and perky and in the news business for this long? You get up at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> that doesn't make you happy and perky, R.L. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 the two pot of coffee that you have between the time the that you start and the time you go on the air. So, yeah, we just had uh, Bob Shaw on the air or on our yeah. podcast not long ago, also talking about the early morning yeah. hours. Anyone I think who's in broadcasting has to do their time. Yeah, in the early morning hours, working yeah. a morning show, it's like a rite of passage or something. Not one that anyone ever wishes on another human, but. You know, and it's, I think it's a lot the same for uh, television as, as it is for radio. I mean, it's, um, if you're doing a morning show, that's pretty rough and tumble. I'm, I mean, you know, and, and I don't know, I guess, you know, for me, I've just got used to it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you really do. Tell us something you love about covering the news. Um. There were always two things uh, that were always kind of interesting to me. One, uh, and, and, you know, these are, are not necessarily um, the most fun to cover, but wildfires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a, a certain enjoyment, not necessarily of the fire, but making sure that people have the information that they need so they can make good decisions when the fire comes into their neighborhood. Uh, They know it's getting close, things of that nature. Um, That is, uh, I don't know, it it gives me a sense of pride uh, to make sure I can impart that information in, in a quick and concise manner to get it to the people. And the other thing that I always that I always liked, and, and I don't know why, um, just economics. Um, you know, the the imparting of 
uh, dollar and cents information to people that they're again they can use. I guess that's that's the thing is is trying to get people information that they can use uh, to make daily decisions. Yeah, that's so important. And I think about this a lot about the kind of the different roles of different media, even just in our little news ecosystem here. Yeah. And the radio being there in the morning to tell people about yeah, where the fire yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. and just how needed that is. You know, at the source, we kind of have a different role. You know, we yeah. we get to sit back and think about things a little bit, yeah, put it yeah. out after a week, you know, not have that rapid fire, yeah. you know, uh, mandate on us. Yeah. Um, but it offers something different that, you know, people is needed. Yeah. They're yeah. all needed. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, uh, so every year, um, the fire information officers in central Oregon, they all get together and they have a media class and it's exactly like you're talking about, uh, they, they have a newspaper guy, they have a television guy and then me. And so, and everybody, you know, shares what their roles are mm-hmm. uh, and what they provide. Uh, one of the guy, uh, one of the guys works at a, a weekly newspaper, uh, uh, Brooks Navely from uh, KOHD, and and myself, and and we all have. Uh, a lot there's certain things that are similar but there's a lot that's different in what they do as to uh covering the news and and especially for fires what do you think is the biggest story that you've ever covered locally since you started in 1979 um it was probably the aubrey hall fire i mean and and again go yeah. it goes back to a fire um we were at uh, an Easter Seal softball tournament, and we were playing playing softball back at uh, Cascade uh, Middle School, and we were just about done with the tournament, and all of a sudden you see a plume of smoke that goes up, and we didn't really think anything about it, and and within two or three minutes. Uh, that got to over 100 acres. And wow. then uh, it just started getting more intense and more intense. And uh, it kind of like went in a half circle uh, that was about a mile wide, but it went through uh, housing subdivisions, uh, went all the way back around to Century Drive. And this, it started back up uh, in Skyliner, or not Skyliner, but uh, on the other side of Aubrey, uh, in Saddleback. And so it started back up in there and then worked its way all the way around down to the highway, uh, back down to what used to be the Best Western. I, I think it's the Lodge now. Mm, uh, on Century okay. Drive, yeah. yeah. And so it worked its way back down into there, back into that subdivision jumped the river and went into Deschutes River Woods. And so they had started, uh, the Red Cross had started uh, to do an evacuation center at Cascade Middle School. Well, they couldn't. So they ended up moving it to Bend High. But um, there were literally thousands of people that were affected by that fire. 
you know, and and again, it was at a time there were there were three radio stations. And what year? Yeah, what year was that? I'm trying to remember. I think it's 91. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, impactful uh, to the whole community, and and trying to move, uh, you know, horses, uh, you know, various animals, all the people. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people that ended up uh, back down at, at the Red Cross Center. Uh, we, w- we were lucky at the time because we did have uh, a couple of people, reporters, that were out in the field. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm it. It's me, myself, and I. Uh, but uh, the great BS of the Northwest, Bob Shotwell, uh, and uh, there was one other person uh, who was going out into the field and doing report. And they would uh, uh, go down. One of them, <laughs> one of them tried to get up onto Century Drive. Uh, that was Bob. And they wouldn't let him up there. But there were the uh, news people from KOIN, KGW. They let them in. And mm. boy, he was he was fried because he was the, also the two Portland stations yeah. getting in, but not <laughs> not, not the yeah. local one. And yeah. he he was a stringer for the Oregonian at the time, and so yeah, he it, it fried his bacon. I mean, he was <laughs> not happy. But yeah, we um, I didn't I didn't go to sleep that night. Uh, stayed up and and basically reported for like thirty six hours in a row, and. Um, yeah, yeah, that was it was pretty intense. Was your station in danger of being in the fire yes. space? Yeah, yeah. We were uh at that point in time, we were uh up on Colorado like right next to Deschutes Brewery. And we we could see the the fire move across uh headed headed to the south yeah what were the streets like i'm just trying to imagine you know and this is a fear obviously that's still present for everybody yeah. today oh, after yeah, we've yeah, seen yeah. so many cities burn in the recent yeah. years but what were i mean was it just chaos of people trying to get out of there on so few bridges and streets uh and you think about and and you know you you really have to give uh, a tip of the hat to law enforcement, uh, you know the, the the fire agencies locally because they do they work together as one. And so um, at that point in time, uh, Deschutes River Woods only had one entrance and one exit. Yeah, and that it's terrifying. was that was it. And so, but they they were able to. Uh, successfully, cohesively get everybody out of that subdivision. Um, you know, I, I, I know people that were uh, Deschutes County commissioners at the time, Dennis Luke. Uh, he couldn't get back into town because they had the roads cut off uh, coming, coming into Bend, Highway 97 and, and Century Drive. He could not get back into town. Uh, but they, you know, they effectively got everybody out of there safely and uh, hats off to them. Yeah. I mean, you think about that was a time when Bend was like in the 20 something population, 30 something. I'll, I'll go with 30 something. 30 yeah, something. Yeah, so yeah. 70,000 more people yeah. in these these times. Um, yeah. What does an evacuation look like for us these yeah, days? Yeah, you true, know? true. And, and where would it be? Yeah. One of the fun things that you used to do, and I got to be a part of it for a while, was cover 
play by play the pole pedal pedal. <laughs> like, literally, we had uh, you had somebody on every leg yeah, of yeah, the yeah. of the of the race, and then down in the park, and it was a whole day live yeah. coverage on the radio. It it was so cool and so fun. And when you think about the limited technology, I remember we had these cell phones that were gigantic. Yeah, they were like yeah. you know they were like two yeah, feet yeah, tall yeah, in these yeah. bags, but. I thought that was just so clever and so fun. And at the time, it's how everybody who wasn't, um, you know, her, who was trying to follow the race, they could listen to yep. their radio yep, yep, yep. and hear who was in the lead and hear what was happening. It was yeah. really fun. So they still do that on our sister station, really? 92.9. Yeah. Okay. And it uh, is me, Chris, and... Uh, and and Brian basically are the three people and where where we used to have like somebody at every stage yes. every every exchange point uh uh-uh. uh no we have three people and so I start oh uh, at the top of the hill um and do the downhill to uh Nordic watch them get on their bikes race down the hill halfway <laughs> yeah. halfway down the hill yeah. and then I stop and find out who the leaders are Chris is at the bike to run exchange I go down to oh the run to the paddle exchange Chris goes down to the finish line oh my and and that's how we get the race on the air they're their own little relay teams <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> Yeah. So did you start out wanting to do the news or was that just a happy accident? Uh, I think it was it was a happy accident. My my sister always told I I was 15. She was teaching me how to drive uh, and how to parallel park. Oh, my God. And she told she had told me that I told her that I wanted to get into radio. And then uh, I went into the service Uh, when I got out of the service. I had my GI Bill. And so I used that to go to radio school. What does radio school look like? Uh, Just a bunch of goof-offs that, you know, (laughs) sit behind a microphone and have a lot of fun. That's kind of it. But that's where where I I got the the penchant for, for news. That's fun. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest issue is right now today in Central Oregon? Like, what do you think the thing is that requires some attention and and that, that we need to all be thinking about or, you know, that there should be coverage on? Well, okay. And, and there again, it goes back to wildfire, yep. which everybody needs to pay attention to and homeless. Yeah. That is, uh, it, it's, that is a sad state of affairs and it's it's not getting any better and uh you know i i know the the city is dealing with it the county is dealing with it the tri-county is dealing with it uh and and doing as best they can trying to figure out a plan because there's there you know we're kind of in in new territory new ground as far as, especially with the homeless um uh, there was a meeting earlier this week, and it was the uh, county council, Dan Doyle, and he was talking about how uh, one of the things that the Ninth Circuit Court deemed had to take place mm-hmm. was there had to be camps to place the homeless if, in fact, you were going to move them right. from, from their spot. The spots. Martin versus Boise case. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And so, and he was talking about that, and he said the problem 
in Deschutes County is uh, all these all the other counties that have similar homeless populations, they all have a city, a big city, and that's about it. We have, you know, like hundreds of thousands of acres of county land, of, of public land, where uh, the, the homeless can go. And so he said there, there has to be some type of camps that are set up to make this work within this county structure. He said, and if that doesn't happen, then you're going to have lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that the city, the cities of Bend and Redmond claim they, they have fulfilled the Martin versus Boise uh, mandates by putting in a number of shelter beds, right. the number that equates to the number of, you know, people counted. Right, right. But it's definitely um, up for debate. Yeah, yeah. And and it in in some respects it almost seems like Redmond um has a a little bit of a of a jump even though they they really haven't implemented uh what they're going to do, but they have leased I think it's 20 acres from the county uh to uh, allow people to put yeah, park their RVs camp. and 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 camp there. So um, I don't think they've they've quite got that far, but um, it's a start. Yeah, it's like we all have to put our heads together and yeah. figure it out. Yeah, because it is new territory. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole. You know, we've known for a long time there isn't enough housing here, and now it's only gotten worse yeah. since the pandemic. Just yeah. the prices have gone up. Income inequality is, you know, yeah. at a height. It's yeah. tough stuff. Yeah, you and and you hit on something with the with the housing. Um, our staff within our radio group has diminished uh, just for you know through uh, no no reason of its own other than you know somebody moves back to Florida and somebody doesn't want to drive in from Klamath County, so they are not there anymore. So then you try to find somebody Mm -hmm. to fill those spots and they say, okay, so let's see now, your housing prices uh, for a 1,500 square foot home is over $2,000. I got to come up with a first and a last and a deposit (laughs) and uh, you're going to pay me how much? Right. Yeah. 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 It doesn't, it doesn't add up. It it doesn't pan out. The equation is not right. Yeah. And and yeah, we need we need more housing, without a doubt. Yeah, and more affordable housing. I mean, there's Bingo. certainly plenty yeah. of luxury there's apartments of going up yeah, in your yeah, midst, yeah, yeah, right yeah, around yeah. your station. I yeah. know that even. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, affordable housing. True. Yeah. So before we have to go, so for fun, you like to hunt. You've been part yeah. of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation forever. Many moons. Uh, tell us your best hunting story of recent times. You always have a good one for me. <laughs> <laughs> It usually involves snow and not getting an elk and all kinds of things. And and that leads me right to that story, yeah. So uh, we hunt uh, at an elevation of about 6,000 feet. Ah. And so, and I'm not going to tell you where. Uh, but anyway, we hunted about 6,000 feet. And so uh, you can get a lot of snow in a hurry. Right. And so it would have been uh, two, two years ago, we were up at camp and, you know, 
if it if it snows, we we call it a snow day and just stay in camp and goof off uh, because it, it, the animals aren't going to be moving. Right. You know, they're not going to be moving. They're going to be laying down and going, hey, when's this going to break? So uh, we had a snow day and then we had a snow day and then we had a snow day and then we had a snow oh day. My. And we got uh, about three feet of snow in probably four days. Wow. And so we're all looking around at each other and going, well, um, we kind of need to chain up some vehicles so we can see if we can get out of here. Because uh, where we hunt, uh, it's, it's at the bottom of a hill and it's about a half mile straight up. Uh, to get out. To get out to the top of this ridge so you can eventually go down. And so, you know, we're all sitting around uh, looking at each other, and I didn't have my vehicle, which I always keep my chains in. Uh, Gary said, well, I only brought one set of chains. Ron, who had a vehicle that had a winch on it, he didn't bring the vehicle with a winch, and he didn't have any chains. (laughs) And so here we go. And we are trying to get these vehicles out of the hole, all of our camping goods. Uh, it took us the better part of a day wow. uh, to get everything up on top of the ridge, uh, cut a track back down to the main road to be able to get out. So, yeah, you were right. No elk, <laughs> lots of snow. Bummer. Well, you're lucky you made it out in general. Yeah. I mean. Oh, we are. And we 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 even left uh, the day that we left. We should have been hunting because everything cleared off and it was beautiful. But there was another storm that was on its way. And we said, well, and yeah, we better leave. And we did. Yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. a smart move. Good move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are there any. Um, I'm, I'm just curious. You know, there's so many new journalists that come in and out of here. Like, what would be something you would wish that they would do or 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 know as they're covering Central Oregon? Wow. Um, I, I think it's good to know a little bit of the history of of what has happened in Central Oregon. So you can kind of uh, couch your stories on on a bit of history, um, just so you have a better idea of of what has happened before you. You know, this wasn't always a city of uh, 100,000 people. Uh, when I got here, it was probably 15,000. So uh, to, to know that, uh, to know that, uh, you know, there always weren't five and six story building, uh, six story buildings going up around you, that they were maybe two stories, maybe three was a, a taller building. Um, the roads, uh, even though they have issues with the roads, um, they were they were worse once upon a time they weren't paved in many respects that uh, a lot of logging trucks on it too. yeah 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 and 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 really that's uh uh where where we live is kind of at the end of uh, uh the old uh, brook scanlon log deck and it's not a log deck anymore there's a road there yeah. um of which we tried to fight many moons ago so I remember I lived in Redmond when I we first yeah, when I yeah, we yeah, first yeah. moved here, and I w- I was working 
um, at one point I was working nights. It's yeah. when after my son was yep. born. Yeah. And so I was driving from Redmond to Bend to work on a two-lane road from yeah. Redmond. And it was the winter of 92 when everybody's roofs were collapsing from all the snow. Yeah. Yeah. And I just... Remember, that's when I really learned how to drive in the snow because yeah. I'm driving on snow-packed roads every night at midnight yeah. to get home. But it was just such a different experience than it is now. True. For sure. Yeah. For real. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. I mean, that's a you know just quick comment. I know we, we want to wrap up, but um, that's something when you work with journalists, young journalists in general, you know, Look at what's been written before, before you write your stories. Yeah. So you, you know, because it's always kind of the dance of you're you're writing for people who have been here a long time, but you're also writing for people who just got here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how do you combine that yeah. to like have this right amount of knowledge for people? Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's the challenge of our work. Yeah. I have a real good friend who uh, worked at KXL in Portland, who is now the uh, communications director for AAA in Portland. Mm -hmm. And she said she had a, an intern that she has taken under her wing, uh, who's, uh, I think she's a sophomore at U of O. And it's um, amazing the things, the assets that are out there for you to do your job and get your story but yet uh, they are not used um, by some. And yeah. she said it, it's, it's really frustrating for her, especially because uh, it's all there. Yeah, Donna and I were having yeah. a similar conversation yesterday just yeah. about, you know, yes, there's a wealth of information you can get on the Internet about a lot of different topics. Yeah. But yeah. as a journalist, you still need to go out and view the situation yourself yeah. and talk to people in person yeah. and have real connections. Those are yeah. real stories. Absolutely. Well, and, and the tools that are available now, I mean, my goodness. Remember when, I mean, when there was no Google, if you were doing a morning show, I used to do a morning show with Ariel. He did the news and I did the, you know, the other part and um, the silly part. But it, it, you didn't have just the, you just didn't have the tools or the information. You had to actually do show prep the day before, the yeah, week yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you couldn't just know everything on the fly. You had to gasp. <laughs> Go to the courthouse to get the information about what happened at court. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you were doing a, even as something as simple as a trivia contest, yeah. I mean, you couldn't just Google up something. No, no, no. And so it was just a completely different yeah. um, environment. And, and so now I think, wow, there are all these tools, which makes it easier. But it also sometimes makes people lazier. Yes. Yeah. Because you're just not willing to break a sweat sometimes. Right. When I say you, yeah. I mean some people. Yeah. Um, I still call dispatch. 4.30 in the I morning. I love it. Every morning. No, that's find great. find out what the heck's going on, if You're, anything is. Oh, man, I forgot about that thing. Yeah. I, I used to do a Cops and Courts beat. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah, to have to do yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, um, that's yeah. why I ended up segueing out of news, is I didn't I didn't, I w didn't want to go there at 4 o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, anything <laughs> happened to anybody? Okay, see you tomorrow. Yeah, thank you much. Thank you much. Yeah. Yeah, well, RL, thank you so much. You bet, this you is bet. so fun. What a what a wonderful um uh, I don't know. Just it's just wonderful that you've been here for as long as you have been, and you've been doing what you've been doing as long as you have been, and how much you care about the community. And and it, it I'm just honored that I've known you for so long. Oh, and thank and you. thanks for hanging out with yeah. us. It's it's um, you know the the community has been good to me, and I hope in in the things that I've done that I've given back in some way, shape, or form too. Definitely, it's been yeah. fun talking shop. Yeah. 
good talking to you too. <laughs> You've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast powered by The Source Weekly. To read, hear, and see more of what we do, go to bensource.com. Thank you.